If you're visiting today, my name's Matt, I'm the senior pastor here at One Hope, and it's great to see you here tonight. Uh, this is where this is the time in which we remind ourselves uh, of what life is all about, and as I often say, it's something we need to continually come back to. Uh, it's so easy to get drawn down into the details of life and forget what what it, what we're actually even living for. One of the um, the interesting things uh, that I find about uh, being a pastor and and talking about people's experiences and particularly people that go through difficult times um, is that there's a very common feature and something that tends to happen in times of great strain and difficulty and stress in times of grief um, of, of various kinds, even times of bereavement. There's a sense in which the, the, the layers of our life get stripped back and we, we kind of fall through these layers of things that we thought were reliable, things that we thought we could, we could um, build our life upon. It might be a relationship that we thought would go forever and it doesn't go forever. It might be our health that we thought would always be stable and it doesn't end up being stable. Or it might be a job or, or a, uh, that we thought would go on forever and it doesn't end up being like that. It could be bigger things, you know, like um, global stability, the economy, the whatever. All of these things, they, they have ways of collapsing and really... Um, this is not only um, something that you might uh, have experienced in your life, but it's certainly something that you will experience. Uh, I don't need to be have any uh, powerful prophetic gift to be able to tell you your future, <laughs> because your future in this world will often be a matter, and unfortunately, as, as human beings, we have a tendency to try to find a sense of security and constancy uh, in these sorts of things, in our health or in our relationships or uh, in, um, in the way that the world is, in, in what the economy provides in our job. We just need security. We need stability. It's very difficult to live without stability. It's difficult to live in the kind of chaos where you just have no idea what's going to happen. And, and, uh, and so we naturally grab onto things. And, and unfortunately, when, well, not actually unfortunately, but I, I'm going to say fortunately when we grab onto those things. And this is, um, as, as I said, this is getting back to the experience of many people that uh, I've spoken to, even my own experience to some extent. Life can be uh, a process of those things falling through, and as they fall through, you kind of go kunk, 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 as those, as those layers of security fall through. But what happens is that it brings us to a place, a kind of bedrock experience, where after all of those things have broken through, often what we encounter in those moments is the one bedrock of reality that is absolutely solid and constant where we encounter, and this is the, uh, this is the experience that I've had and this is the experience that so many people have shared with me who go through these experiences. They have these profound experiences of, of peace and security that have nothing to do with their circumstances that are precisely in the midst of everything having broken down because that experience causes these layers to break through and they actually find themselves on the one bedrock of reality that is absolutely unchanging and that is the constancy 
of God. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. I'm going to talk about the constancy of God. And it'll become clear uh, what I mean by that. But I'm going to draw from a biblical uh, a biblical theme uh, from the uh, book, book of Psalms. I mean, this works all the way through Scripture, and I'm going to uh, look at a passage in the New Testament in a moment uh, as well. But particularly in the Psalms, the Psalms use metaphors, and one of the, the, the or, or a couple of the metaphors that the Psalms use, uh, used to describe the way in the midst of all of the chaos of life, there is this one solid, this one solid reality that in the midst of the uncertainty. And, and it's often you see in the Psalms that it is actually in the midst of very difficult circumstances that these people discover this. They discover this constancy of God and they use the metaphor of the rock or the refuge or the fortress to describe the one thing that is immovable. Now, we need to remember too, in, in the ancient world, these people lived uh, at the coalface of reality in many respects. I mean, they were always one step away from famine. If the crops failed, and there was never any guarantee uh, that everything would work out and the crops would go well, they, it, it, they would face famine. They faced disease. They didn't have our medicine. They, they, um, the, uh, the, the life-death cycle, they were very close to that. And uh, even then, the seasonal threats from military aggressors the like of which we could not probably imagine. There was just, and, and you know, and they would sweep down regularly into that. You just never ever knew what was around the corner. You never knew what was around the corner. I mean, you did your best, but you can imagine the kind of anxiety <laughs> that, um, that these people face. But really, the world hasn't changed. The world hasn't actually become as stable as we think. Life is still unstable. It's just that we tend to fool ourselves into thinking that it's stable, to thinking that I'll always be healthy and this relationship will always be there and this uh, job will always be there and the economy will be, you know, will be stable and uh, you know, we'll have uh, un, uh, uninterrupted technological advance and we'll solve all our problems and, and everything like that. We just, we can put far too much stock in a sort of pretended stability when actually we have no idea what's around the corner. And it's very important uh, that, that, we, that we face this, but we tend not to, because it's difficult to live with that. But the psalmists were living at the coalface of reality and they knew this. They had to face this reality. And so they were led, therefore, to continually find the one thing that actually was going to be sure. And so you get expressions like these, for example, in Psalm uh, 18. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. As for God, his way is perfect. The, the Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. And then in Psalm 62, the psalmist says, truly my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And he doesn't mean that nothing bad is going to happen. 
He means that despite that, his soul nevertheless can find rest because he has discovered the one constant thing, and that is the constancy of God, the bedrock of reality, the one thing that does never change. And then, of course, the, one of the most famous expressions of, of this is in Psalm 46. And Psalm 46 uses the image of the tossing ocean because in the ancient world, um, the, uh, the forces of chaos, they were very concerned about the forces of chaos. And, and as I said, living at the coalface of reality like they were, they experienced reality as this kind of chaos, right? And, and this insecure chaos where almost anything could happen at any time and you couldn't really count on anything. So uh, they, they had this fear of the chaos and this was often represented by the tossing of the sea, the ocean. You know, for example, Psalm 93 says, the seas have lifted up, the seas have lifted up their voice. And, uh, but it says, but God is mightier than the breakers of the water. There's this sense that the, the th- chaos constantly threatens. And here in Psalm 46, we have the same uh, kind of uh, imagery, the, the picture of the insecurity of everything around us, the absolute insecurity. I'm going to stress this tonight. Uh, the absolute insecurity of everything around us because we tend to grab hold of these other things and it's important that you realise that you you cannot count on those things. So Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. This is the rest, right? This is the peace and the rest in the midst of the chaos. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. And now he's going to describe the worst possible, in poetic language, the worst possible kind of chaos and and disaster, right? Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, there's the chaos, and the mountains quake with their surging. So he's saying, despite all of that, God is my refuge and my strength. He is the one thing that is not movable in all of this. And then he goes on to use another metaphor, lots of metaphors in the Psalms, that again expresses constancy. And this is an expression, this metaphor is an expression of the constancy of God's faithfulness and love. And it's described here as like a flowing river. It says in verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. In Jerusalem, there is a a spring called the Gion Spring, and and, and whenever uh, I go over there and I lead tours over to to Israel, I'm going there, in fact, in November uh, with a group of people, and you can actually walk through the Gion Spring, uh, through Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's still flowing to this day. It's been flowing. The same spring has been flowing for literally thousands of years. It hasn't stopped. And it was this constant source of water and uh, in times of siege, in times of drought, it was this constant source. And the psalmist draws on this imagery. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And he's also, uh, he's also drawing on the imagery of the river of life that's uh, elsewhere in Scripture. But there is this constancy to this. There is this constant flow, this stability to God, that God is 
on the one hand, like a rock or a fortress, he is absolutely solid. When everything is going to chaos, God remains the same. And then there's this other imagery of the river that the flow of God's faithfulness is uninterrupted. It can't be thwarted. It's this constant flow that is not broken. And so Jesus picks up on this kind of imagery in Matthew chapter 7. And he says this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Now, the call of Christ, what he's talking about, the call of Christ was for us to put our faith in God, to be reconciled with God and to ground ourselves into God's purpose because it's the only sure thing. Everything else will fail, everything else will be washed away, but the, the rock of God's purpose and God's character is the one sure thing in this world. And so he says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now, I want you to notice here that in both cases, it says of both houses, the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand, the streams rose, the wind blew and it beat against the house. The difference between the two was not that nothing bad happened to one rather than the other. No, the difference is that one was built on the rock and the other was not. In other words, the one had a firmly founded hope and so they, they were able to maintain a constancy because they were grounded in the constancy of God. Their life became stable. They were stable because their foundation was in God. So no matter what was happening around them or even within them, even in their emotional and psychological state, no matter how much chaos there was internally or externally, because their house was built on the rock, they did not fall. Because the source of stability is in the constancy of God, the constancy of God. You know, I've said to you many times before that because of God's constancy, God's constant presence with us, that it's easy for us not to notice God because we can, we can easily desire some big experience or something to show us that God is present or that God cares about us. But it's actually, it's interesting, it's the, it's the infinite and eternal constancy of God in which we are immersed the very greatness of God is what makes it some, what, what makes it easy to miss sometimes. It's like air. We just breathe air all the time. We don't say, whoa, man, there's air. This is amazing. Air, like actually air is pretty amazing. And the ability to breathe air is actually pretty amazing. But no one's going nuts over that, right? Because it's constant, right? But it's still good. It's still amazing and we still need it to live. Air. 
And as I've said, a little bit like that, and don't take these metaphors too far. But in the same way, God is constantly, constantly present. You, you are immersed in the constant presence of God right now. It is the one constant in life. And often we can distract ourselves looking for some big experience and jumping up and down trying to reach God. And sometimes uh, our, it can be a little bit like that. We feel like we're going for an experience or we're going, uh, we, we, we feel perhaps like we have to jump up and down to reach God, you know, to whip ourselves up into a frenzy or to, or to as though it depended on us, as though if only we were a certain way, then, then, and if only we prayed enough, and if only we worshipped enough, or only we were spiritual enough, then, you know, then it would be real for us. No, no, um, that's us depending on our reliability. <laughs> you can't even depend on yourself. That's us depending on our own abilities. No, you are already experiencing God. Every single person in this room is constantly experiencing God all the time. It's just so constant, you probably don't notice it. And there is a gentle power, like a great, uh, you know, massive, think of a massive river. And think of the power in the water of a river as it moves along. But rivers, gigantic rivers have this way of looking so peaceful, they just Flow, right? And they're so powerful. Nothing can stand in the way of those rivers. But there's this, this gentle power to these rivers. And there is this great river of the being of God flowing in and through all things. God is present and we are immersed in his presence. And he is calling us to recognize his constancy and move with his constancy. But we keep grabbing for other things. Again, because this desire uh, for something that tangible, you know, we even, uh, this is one of the reasons why we go for, uh, you know, some kind of experience, a tangible experience of God or even some miracle. These, even these things can become like idols to us because we're constantly kind of grabbing for some tangible something to actually hold on to. And then inevitably, they're things that come and go. And if, and if they're not, you know, some experience or, or, or maybe some mental state, it's often, you know, it can be worldly things like we can grab for, um, for success or, as I said, for health, for all of the things that we, that we grab onto. And yet, we exhaust ourselves doing this, jumping up and down, trying to reach something when actually all we need to do is burrow down into the constancy, burrow down into the constancy of a God that is always at work, quietly, confidently, moving in infinite power like a great, powerful river, just gently moving along. And God is calling us then to a constancy to lean into his constancy, his constancy of character. See, there is this flow, this constant flow of God's faithfulness, this constant flow of God's love. In Psalm 136, 
the, the line, God's love endures forever. You can read the psalm for yourself. It says, his love endures forever 26 times. Every second line uh, in the psalm says, his love endures forever, his love endures forever, his love endures forever. Which means, his love endures sort of forever. Really. It never ceases. It is like this great river. It flows upon you. There is no obstacle. Not since God came to us in Jesus Christ and took away the barrier of guilt that separated us from God. He took that away. And so God loves, God's love flows to you constantly. Constantly. There is a river whose streams make glad the psalmist says, the city of God. And later on uh, in, that, uh, in that psalm, uh, I think it's in verse 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Know the constancy of God in, each, uh, in all things. And this means for us that to respond to this means that we are putting our faith in that constancy. We're getting ourselves grounded in that constancy. It means that we stop running around looking for the next big experience or the next big thing. We, we, our, our culture is uh, infected by a kind of sensationalism and very much an emotionalism uh, as well. And, and unfortunately, there's a, there's a little, bit, little bit of that in, in our church culture as well. Uh, as a church, we stand in a long tradition going back to the 1700s, a wonderful tradition where God did some amazing things. You know, I say that uh, God is, a, and, and again, not taking metaphors, falls too far, but God is constant like the air that we breathe. But you know what? Air moves, and when it moves, it's called wind. <laughs> and there have been great moves of God in the past. In the 1700s, there were these great revivals in England and America, and, uh, and, and it, it, it spawned this this what became known as an, uh, an evangelical movement, and, uh, and it, it really... Uh, it led to a, a wonderful return to the simple biblical faith with an emphasis uh, on the transforming power of Jesus and, and this evangelical movement that came out of this, uh, these, these amazing um, moves of God. You know, in the, in the 20th century, there were these wonderful charismatic revivals with real, uh, real move of God's spirit. And, and unfortunately, though, because of all of these big things that God did, we can very easily, particularly in our tradition, we can very easily find ourselves running after the next big experience. You know? It's like, where is God? What's he doing next? You know? And, you know, and we can hear about something that's going on at some church over there or over here. And, and this is why the classic thing in evangelicalism is when we hear you know, that there's a revival taking place over in some college somewhere in America, everyone jumps on a on a plane, you know, and they all fly over there and you get this thing called spiritual tourism, which is a big problem in the places where, where these things happen because it, it, it kind of even shuts it down because you get all these spectators coming like, where's this thing, you know, like what's going on here and we're after the next big thing. But you know what? God is present everywhere all the time, everywhere all the time. And we don't do ourselves any favours by constantly running after the next big experience. Because life in God is not made up of big sensational experiences. I mean, who can sustain that? It's exhausting. No, life in God is about constancy. It's the beautiful, peaceful, 
constancy. Because God is constant and he wants us to know that he is constant. He's not a God that just turns up every now and again. You know, maybe if we jump high enough and, and, and do an, I don't know what we think we're gonna do, but you know, maybe God will just sweep in and oh, wow, he's here, he's here. Like, duh, he's always been here. He's always, he's, we are immersed in his presence and he is calling us to a deep constancy, a deep engagement. It's almost like, you know, I think uh, it's, it's almost like when you, you know, when you wade into a river and the river's flowing and you're standing on the shore, let's say you're standing, you know, up to your, uh, up to your thighs, you know, and because you're standing in the river, you know, there's lots of froth and bubble and as, the, as you feel, you know, you, you can feel the current, you know. It's like, oh, wow, I can really feel the current. Wow, this is great, right? And there's a sense in which, you know, we have experiences like that, but the reason we have experiences like that is to, to feel the weight of the current is because God wants to sweep us into the center. He wants to sweep us into the center to be fully immersed in the river. And see, when you're floating in the middle of the river, it's not like lots of froth and bubble because you are peacefully moving with the power of the river. You are peacefully flowing with the power of the river. And so there's this immaturity in just going for the big, you know, the froth and bubble experience. I mean, you know, I've had those experiences, but at the end of the day, God was saying, yeah, but I'm trying to draw you into the middle of the river and be immersed in my, the depth of my constancy. A deep and powerful experience of that. This, if you, folks, if you take hold of this, this will change your life if you get hold of this, to wake up in the morning and to know God is present. Of course he's present. I am immersed in God's presence. To constantly be aware, to acknowledge that. It will change your life. And it's so important, even for our church culture, like we, when, that we don't go chasing after the next, you know, the next big thing or the next big experience or trying to whip you up into emotional frenzy because you... Because none of those things are reliable. Listen, your emotions are not reliable. Your headspace is not reliable. Your external circumstances, won't, they, you, there's, there's no security in any of those things. Particularly in our time, and, and I think partly because of, a, of um, maybe a growing sense of the, the fickleness or the unreliability, the vulnerability of uh, of our global situation. We're facing a situation now where mental health issues are abounding, right? There is chaos out there. There is chaos in here. The last thing that we need churches doing is trying to whip everyone up into a frenzy. Let the church be the one place that is like a peaceful river that we can step into. The one constant, stable thing, folks, look, stability. That, that people would come to church and find the God who is constant. Let's not be treating God like if we, you know, if we do this well enough or hard enough or whip ourselves up, but maybe he'll turn up in some sensation. No, 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 no. He, we acknowledge he is here. And we're looking to draw people into the depths of the constancy of who God is. 
And God calls us to a constancy. He calls us to a constancy to find our lives in that place. And there are things that he will do. Let me tell you your future. Well, actually, for a lot of you, it's your past as well as your future. (laughs) Every time you grab onto something, every time you put your hope in something, something that you think is going to be stable, when you put your hope in that, the best thing that can happen when we hold on to false hopes is that those hopes are dashed. Because as I've often said, the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you end up being happy without God. And so may all of the layers of false security cave in and cave in and cave in and may you find yourself founded upon the rock. Actually, um, I don't wish that (laughs) in one sense. You know, uh, may you be healthy, may everything go well with you, uh, but if you put your hope in those things, I mean, if you put your hope in that, it's better that false hopes are broken if we have them. So that we find ourselves deeply embedded in the constancy of God. It's a sure thing, folks. It's the only sure thing in this chaotic world today. So let's get ourselves firmly grounded in the constancy of God. This world needs stability. Your family needs stability. You need stability. And there's only one place that you'll find that, and that is in the constancy of God. Why don't you stand with me? Tonight we're going to celebrate communion together, and we're going to respond by giving thanks to the the spring, in a sense, the spring of grace and forgiveness, the constant spring of grace and forgiveness that never runs out, that God gave to us in Jesus Christ. And as we take the cup, which represents the shed blood of Christ, and as we take the bread that represents the broken body of Christ, the sacrifice that reconciles us to the constancy of God, we're responding. We're saying, I am grounding my life in this. I'm grounding my life in Christ, in the constancy of the love and the faithfulness of God. This is a recommitment tonight. And I invite you, if you're visiting, to, if you're visiting tonight, you just feel like you're not ready to make this commitment, then please don't feel bad about letting it pass. Uh, if you need time to think, that's fine. But if tonight you can make this commitment, these elements we use as a tool of commitment, expressing our commitment. And if you can do that tonight and you want to commit or recommit yourself into the constancy of God through Jesus Christ, then I encourage you as the music team is going to play quietly uh, for a few moments. You can come and take communion and go back to your seats. Uh, Feel free to do this with your families or with other people if you want. Um, But take a few moments to commit yourself to this, to commit yourself to Him, to God. And, uh, and let's do this together. Let's do that now. Thanks.